Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Good evening. <laughs> you didn't say hello. And you might not even be listening to this in the evening because most of the time we release it in the morning. So I thought good evening or good afternoon or good morning, depending on when you listen to this. Thank you for listening. Um, I feel like last one, we well, the last two when we did our little two-parter on Mount Whitney stuff and talking about like quarterfinals, I feel like that was kind of epic things. We did. We had lots of big... Big stuff going on the last few podcasts. And now I feel like we have to live up to that. <laughs> it's like the calm oh, down after. A, it is. I, I was hoping for the opposite. The, the come down. I, I hope we don't, don't, don't have to live up to too much this time. <laughs> We're tired. We did too much cool shit already. We need a break. Um, there is always that let down after big epic things, though. It's a cycle. But that's okay. It's just like a little downtime before the next big epic thing happens. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to sort of freestyle it. Um, heads up, not been a whole ton of research into today's topic, but just enough to hopefully bring you some <laughs> insight and um, hopefully not scare anybody too much with my terrible pronunciation of certain words that you'll have to keep listening to find out about. Yeah, this is a good teaser for what's coming. Um, words she can't pronounce words coming can't soon. Pronounce. Um, but we thought we would talk a little bit about a phrase that allegedly my grandmother used to say a lot. And I say that because sadly she passed when I was very young and I didn't get to have that many conversations with her. But my mom always tells me that my grandmother used to frequently say, you are what you eat. And as a child, when she said that to me, I was like, wait, so if I eat a carrot, I'm a carrot? I'm a carrot. Um, I, I actually thought eating carrots would make me orange. I think it can. Think, yeah. But you'd have to eat, have to eat a, eat like a lot, lot of carrots. <laughs> That's kind of, I always feel like that would be a sort of interesting experiment to see if we could to eat do that it. many carrots. I mean, Ugh. I eat a boatload of broccoli and I haven't turned green yet. That's true. Although maybe we've put broccoli day. to the test, but it, yeah. But yeah, no, well, carrots dye your fingers. You can just rub carrots on yourself. You that's know, like true. A carrot. Not that that's really goals, but maybe that's an alternative <laughs> to fake tan. If you don't like the chemicals in fake tan, you could just go with a straight orange oh. carrot look. But you are what you eat, not meant literally. Um, but I feel like every grandma and mother probably has said that to their children. I remember hearing it growing up. I don't remember from whom, but. So there you go. Um, and I was like, that's. That's a pretty reasonable statement, you know? Um, and so I thought we would have sort of a kind of a quick catch up about like, because I know Rachel's talked about doing some performance training and goals and that changes up what you're eating and counting macros again. Um, and as ever, I am not. Um, so we thought, I thought we'd have a little catch up about that and then kind of talk a little bit about like what, fuel you're putting into your body and what you can reasonably expect as a result of that yeah. in terms of energy balance in terms of quality of food because um, that's really a key thing and since I moved to America 
we have never became been made more aware of the kind of the crazy stuff out there that you can buy to put into your body. Yes, that is and what most people do buy. Legal. <laughs> given other choices. In even. this country and not in others. Mm. And then sort of close it out. And this is where the long words that I cannot say comes in with uh, just giving you a little heads up about maybe, and I hopefully it won't ruin your day because hopefully your favorite foods are not on this list. <laughs> but some of the food stuff or the chemicals that are allowed in food products in the USA that are banned in other countries because yep. they are just really not that good for you. So that, you know, we've said it many times before, I say it to the clients that I work with, that if if you typically look at the ingredients list of the stuff that you buy and there's more than a couple of things on there that you cannot pronounce or the ingredients list is longer than your forearm, you could probably afford to put that thing back on the shelf because yep. it's likely to not be that great for you. Um, with the... With all that being said, like anything, uh, if there's something on this list that we say, um, it certainly won't be an exhaustive list of all of the things, but if there's something on there that you periodically dabble in, it's probably fine. Yeah. But if you're consistently eating stuff that is loaded with nasty chemicals, it might be time to consider an alternative. So before we get into the scary part, uh, you did three months of a performance training programming thing decided to count macros yeah she also bought herself a scale again not just a scale but a scale that gives you even more data to that's true analyze and overthink than before yeah. there have so, been some changes I, f- I forget that that i like we we've talked about the times where i put the scale away and and decided to stop weighing myself she bought and a scale back. with a vengeance <laughs> i'm back at it um yeah i mean the performance challenge so it was technically 12 weeks um, so that ended the end of March and, um, I actually, the new scale is very recent. I, um, only bought that last week. Um, but I did, I got one of those in-body scales. Mm-hmm. So the same kind of technology that, yeah, used before at the gym where you kind of stand there and it uses, um. Uh, it sends like currents through your body so it can read things. Bioelectrical like, impedance thank analysis. Thank you. There you go. Um, and so, yeah, they have like a home version of that that is a scale with a little handle thing that you hold on to. Um, so I went ahead and got that. Um, I, I, I justify lots of like purchases like that because you can use your FSA money. So it's like it's still my money, but I can use it like pre-tax money and it lowers my taxable income and if I don't use it by the end of the year, they like take it away anyway. So um, I kind of have this picture your house at the end with like a like, zillion medical devices. Well, my it, tax bill is going to be so it's low. It's mostly, it's honestly mostly at the end of the year, I, I stock up on sunscreen and like band-aids because there's like a whole list of things you can buy that are approved by the IRS. And um, But yes, it, it was kind of exciting to find like the fancy scale I wanted. Um and which is a whole other interesting Does thing, it tell by the you way, what of like you want why, to hear? like, we'll yeah, see. right. Like, well, especially in this country, it's kind of be an interesting thing to figure out how all these things get approved to be on these FSA lists. Because like the IRS and the FDA and a whole bunch of different places come together to probably make those decisions um, that Americans need to they deserve to spend their pre-tax medical funds on these kinds of 
things like this equipment well mostly um, because then people will probably see all those numbers and go ah they look scary i don't know what they mean so i'm gonna go to my doctor and get some pills i mean maybe right like i i feel like in this country i would not be shocked if it were that kind of uh perpetual yes, perpetuating kind of... a cycle of sending people to like the doctors and i mean you know i'd like to think it's you know people out there just want more information about themselves but you're right without context and uh guidance it's probably too much information for some people um right i mean as a coach you definitely you sometimes recommend in body tests or dexa scans or something but then you help people interpret those results <laughs> otherwise it can be very confusing and for so. others it can be like nope you, right that there's so many other things we need to start with before yeah we worry yeah. about yeah all those other little things but anyway so, so it was a fun little purchase i don't know if it's uh like yes directly related particularly to any goals. You but didn't cause after, you an existential crisis when your it, regular scale and your in-body scale said different weights They the did same say, day, same I mean, time. mostly, no, I'm glad that didn't cause me a crisis, but it did cause me just to be curious, right? Like, and I think this is actually the good lesson to come out of that. So yes, when I bought the new scale, I had weighed myself on the old scale and then weighed myself on the new scale within 10 minutes of each other, probably. Maybe I had a sip of coffee, but that's it, right? Like I did not eat a meal. Nothing happened in those 10 minutes. And it was 0.8 pounds difference <laughs> between the two scales. And fine, whatever. I'd be like, well, they're two different scales. But uh, Jeff did the same thing and his were identical. So I was very confused. Um, <laughs> and because I have no answers as to why that happened, I think... She got uh, the third one just to be right? sure. <laughs> I, I went on and bought a third scale. No. <laughs> um, but what I, what I did do was just uh, try to, you know, avoid thinking too hard about that. And I was like, well, this is also maybe a good reminder that, like, a lot of the time we shouldn't ever be too attached to the numbers on the scale. Especially when, you know, those numbers are different on two different scales. It reminded me of the time you told me the, the horrifying reality of food labels that everything could be twenty oh, yeah. percent wrong anyway. And so counting macros nothing is like, in the world is real. It's a, it's a leap of faith anyway, right? Like counting nothing is real. Um but yes, it, so the, the 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 scale purchase was kind of just fun. It's I I will say the three months of the performance challenge was awesome. Like it even though I did get back on the scale and I, I weighed myself almost daily because I was giving my coach like the weekly mm -hmm. average, which is the better way to go about it. Um, it, it was, it felt super healthy. Like it wasn't, I wasn't being as, as affected by those numbers as I have in the past. Um, so it felt psychologically okay to be weighing myself. Um, and I think because the whole rest of the challenge part was like, again, like focused on performance. So I was on that scale, but she was increasing my calories through like most of the challenge. And I was just focusing on like lots of movement and following my programming and having fun getting ready for the trips like Whitney and the Ecuador trip I have coming up in June. So um, all in all, I thought the challenge was amazing. I'm glad I focused on performance instead of trying to see my abs before summer. <laughs> that was the joke that that was what was in the back of my head but um no i i had a great time i'm actually going to continue doing the same programming and stuff like that um for a few more months to get ready for ecuador um 
but I'm actually already stepping on the scale less and not really, not really thinking about that so much. So. So question for you. Okay. Uh, you mentioned this morning about how you were talking with another gym member about working out mm. while in caloric deficit. Yeah. You're in deficit. So what I, is the why behind that? Yeah. So the why behind that is about midway through the challenge. I was talking to my coach about um, trying to figure out since my sport other than CrossFit is mountaineering and backpacking, mm-hmm. trying to figure out like what's a really good sweet spot of like being strong enough and having enough body mass to like carry a heavy backpack over days and sort of have enough, you know, caloric cushion to like burn all those calories daily and like be able to afford losing like, like we kind of did on Mount Whitney, like losing three to five pounds per adventure. Um, and not being so heavy, like body weight plus pack size that it is hard on my feet um, because of some of the like just annoying things about my feet. Um, And so we sort of talked about what that has looked like for me in the past. And there is a number that is a little bit less than what I am now that, that I'm not really sure actually how I arrived at it as like being the sweet spot, Mm -hmm. but it's like right just under like 150 pounds um, where like a, 35 to 40 pound, 45 pound pack on my back, like leads to not as much foot pain and like knee Mm -hmm. issues or things like that. Um, so all that to say, long story long, um, we're doing a little bit of a cut, not, not for long. Um, but we're just doing a little bit of a cut. So I'm just in a caloric deficit and it's just like literally like 225 calories less maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, so all in all, it's not a ton. Like it's, um, you know, a couple dozen probably grams of carbs and like a few grams of fat that have just come off of my numbers. Um, but what came up this morning was the fact that even those like 200 calories, um, I, I can feel it. Like what I try to do like a CrossFit class. Um, so are you still trying to maintain the extra movement? less calories or do you end up sort of feeling like your movement gets adjusted because you just feel kind of like oof not quite yeah so it's the kind of movement that I adjust so I don't feel good even in a small caloric deficit um crossfit classes just feel like I'm dragging Um, so that's actually what I've kind of modified is like probably my overall movement is staying the same, but it's like very different kind of movement. So my lifting sessions are longer, like I'm in an endurance phase of my lifting cycles. So it's, um, so they probably take me more like 75 to 90 minutes if I get through all the work that's programmed. Um, but those are like sets and supersets that have a lot of couple minutes of rest in between every set. So I'm never like pushing at a high intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the walking and the running, which is just, you know, a few times a week to make sure I'm getting steps in and a little bit of cardio is the same. Um, so it's actually like what I do is just cut out CrossFit, like the 15, 20 minute, just like go all out kind of high intensity stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what really 
I feel. Um, and that's what I was talking about this morning with our friend who, I guess, she didn't actually tell me. It, like, it sounded more like it was like an accidental cut. Like, she said she had like 1,200 calories yesterday. And I was like, well, 1,200 calories is not enough to do much more than exist. Well, it, this was actually um, a classic <laughs> example. Um, and obviously, no names mentioned or details mentioned. Um, but where um, on doctor recommendations was advised to eat 1000 calories oh my goodness 1200 at the most as someone that goes from a doctor who crossfits the doctor the doctor no 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 the doctor doesn't crossfit the friend crossfits and the the doctor doctor was made aware of said crossfit that our friend goes to the gym like five days days, a week five days a week like and wow and was told to eat a thousand calories maybe 1200 at the most Oh, dear. At which point, I almost had, I passed out. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not just starvation. Okay. Like, not okay at all. Um, because, you know, when your body is probably, let's just say for shits and giggles, you're burning, this person is burning 1,500 calories, 1,400, 1,500 calories a day just living surviving doing nothing sitting on ass all day yeah like i think at my body weight that my that base burn is at least like 13 or 1400 calories and what so what this is just breathe yeah like Like, so (laughs) and what i noticed like so when we climbed whitney i set my apple watch because i was trying to figure out how to adjust for pure interest not for any kind of like oh Oh, i want to lose x amount of weight while i climb this mountain or whatever i was just purely interested to see what the calorie burn might look like right with the backpack on and the only way of doing that in the apple watch at least that i'm aware of is to adjust your body weight to take into account what you weigh with the backpack on so i upped my body weight to 185 pounds came back from that trip completely forgot that i'd done this and for about two or three days at the end of each day i was like damn Altitude oh. must have adjusted me because, like, my daily calorie burn. You were still 185 pounds. Yeah, my daily calorie burn was at least 350 to 400 plus calories a day more than what you would normally doing burn my by. usual <laughs> routine. So I came yeah. back from Whitney, went back into my usual CrossFit routine, walked the dog the same amount, and I was like, "Wow, that's so weird." And then one day I was like, "Oh, wait a minute." Yeah. Adjusted my weight back down and immediately went back to like my regular calorie burn. So I was like, dang it. But then I was thinking, okay, so if somebody is told by a doctor to eat a thousand calories, maybe 1200 at a push, but anymore and yikes. And this person has 14 or 1500 calorie resting metabolic rate, then goes to the gym and say burns. Cause you know, in a typical CrossFit session, my watch will tell me that I burn anywhere from like 280 to 400 and something calories depending on what i'm doing yeah but when i was 185 pounds i was burning 500 plus calories every time so let's say you know suddenly you're burning from just surviving and going to the gym you're up close to 2000 calories a day then you're going to be walking around all day you've got to digest your food which takes energy you got to pick up kids and put them down and all the other stuff that goes with life. Yeah. And even if it was a light day, let's say you're now burning 23, 2400 calories a day on a normal day. And you've been told to eat 1000 calories a day 1, until such thousand. time as you lose however much weight they wanted you to lose. And they're a doctor, right? So you take your word, their word for it. And I was like, no, 
That's not okay. In no universe is that okay. And yes, when you need to lose weight, you need to be in some kind of a deficit. Right, yeah. But if you're trying to be a functioning human who has a job, who has kids, who, you know, has responsibilities, and who wants to work out with the same kind of intensity that, you know, you enjoy... Exactly. That is not going to last long. I mean, your body and for would a doctor, fully go into starvation mode. For right? a doctor like, who is meant to care about your health, that is like anti-health. Yeah. Although it is fascinating, right? I mean, there's no, um, you know, there's no clear, like, education around nutrition science necessarily in medical programs, no. right? I mean, like, I'm sure they have to understand basic human physiology and things like that but i mean it's well i'm remarkable. grateful i'm thankful that about a week or so later um friend went back to a different doctor to you know discuss something else and she mentioned about this 1000 or 1200 calories situation and mentioned that i was like uh no that's not good and obviously talked about the kind of exercising that she was doing and the doctor was like Oh, God, no. You oh, keep doing okay. your CrossFit. Whew. And you eat, you know, yes, you need to be in a deficit, but nothing like that. And the doctor told her to listen to her nutrition coach. Yeah. Okay. That's, whew. All right. So that it gives me a little my hope faith about things. Because, like, because it's true, right? I mean, like, we talk about this as well, right? About how, um, you know, technically, legally, you're, you have to be a registered, is it a registered dietitian before you can prescribe meal plans yes. to someone, right? Like there are rules out there of how this is done and not all um, fitness coaches or, you know, other people abide by those rules. So like it's, I get it's probably confusing to people, but that gives me a little hope that at least one, one, one versus one there, she had one doctor who and, you did know, not know what to say. That was bad advice. And another one to say like, okay, you've got a nutrition coach, at least work with that. So I kind of, <laughs> I kind of pointed out to her, I was like, okay, well, we can put you on a really low calorie diet for a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but if we go too low, then this awesome time that you have in the gym, which makes you fit and healthy in many ways, makes you strong, works towards get, keeping your bone density good, mm. as, you know, as you get older, which is super important for all of us, particularly and females. And makes you happy. And mental health-wise <laughs> makes boost. you super happy. Yeah. That's going to start to go away, yeah. you know? Yeah, if you're even in like a little bit of a deficit, like you said, 200 calories makes mm-hmm. a big difference. When I did my little bodybuilding cut thing, I felt oh it goodness. take 50 calories like... away from me and I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> but I felt like shit and yeah. I'm an idiot. So I maintained the intensity and the weights, but it, I, I couldn't have kept it up for much longer, which is why I quit yeah. that. Cause I wanted to keep, keep up the intensity. Right. Well, and the exactly. Weights. You want to feel good in the gym. But yeah. I was like, if, yeah. if you just take away too much energy, then something's going to give. Yeah. So let's take away a little bit because yes, we all know it's not that simple. Energy in versus energy out. We're not all the same. Our bodies don't do things the same. We don't all take all of the energy out of a given piece of food and put it to use. And you might take a bit more energy out of some food and me and all of that complicated scientific shit that yeah. we don't need to get bogged down by. But how about we get allow you to eat a little bit more 
And we just move a little bit more. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's I I think when people have asked me, like, in the gym setting or, like, or just friends I'm chatting to, stuff like that, right? Like, I am not um, not a nutrition coach. Don't have any of those certifications. Um, but when people are like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing this kind of this and this and this and I'm just not losing weight and stuff, you know, wh- one of the things that I add in and my coach has added in for me is literally just walking, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like just adding steps. Um, I say that to people all the time. All the time. And there's just always this walk. kind of like silence of like, what? Yeah, like it's in some ways though, it's that easy, right? Like just adding in more and one of steps the, and walking. My opening and... lines with all new clients or people who are considering getting a nutrition coach is always like, I want you to eat as much as you possibly can while still moving towards your goals. Yes, exactly. Because that way you can still do the stuff that's mm-hmm. fun and do it without getting injured, doing it without like feeling like you're going to pass out and that ruining right. the rest of your day because you ran out of energy and you're just like cross-eyed and tired. Yeah. So with all that being said, expectations of like what goes into your body, if you don't put enough energy in, yeah, it'll still work. Mm-hmm. but you have to set realistic expectations too. Yeah. And you also have to assess like, at what point am I going to say I need to eat more because yeah. this is silly. And if anybody ever tells you to eat a thousand calories a day when you're a grown ass adult, Oh my goodness. Slap them. I feel like even most children should be eating at least a thousand calories. Like that is an absurdly low amount of energy. Ugh. yeah, I don't know. I would much rather expend that doctor is listening. You know who you are. (laughs) And it's such a lazy number. It is. Telling a female to eat 1,200 calories a day is just like like, some arbitrary shite that they pulled out of their ass. Yeah, because exactly, right? Like you you and I have a 20, 25 difference in our body weight. So like we shouldn't, we probably have different energy needs just by that alone. And that was going to be my next point that like if you lined up 20 different Let's just say females, 20 different females, different shapes and sizes and weights and all sorts of yeah. things. I bet you that doctor, if they saw us individually and decided that we all needed to lose weight, everybody would get the same prescription. Right. Be like, all you ladies need 1,200 calories. Of what we do. <laughs> and, you know, when you say something like, oh, if you're like, yeah, my exercise routine is yoga or Pilates or something like that, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to be able to do that in yeah. a caloric deficit yeah. and walk away uninjured yeah when you're lifting big weights and you're doing intense workouts and stuff like that you will end up injured if you don't give your body what it needs to be able to pull off that movement create explosive power and more importantly recover from it yeah exactly it's more like the feeling garbage on the other side of it right i mean i can i can definitely still do a fair bit of work in a caloric deficit but it's like it's bodybuilding, right? Like I'm not going to be lifting at my top ends of like powerlifting or Olympic lifting because my body might not even want to do it. But if it does, yeah, it's going to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's when you get lightheaded just doing a heavy deadlift. Um, but, you know, I can do bodybuilding stuff where it's like you're working on muscle groups. You're usually using like kettlebells or dumbbells and you're doing like three sets of 10 with breaks in between. Like you can do that kind of style of, of lifting without feeling like garbage, or at least in my experience I have done. Um, but 
sometimes that gets boring. Sometimes it's less fun. So like I'd rather eat more and get to do the kinds of working out I want to. Um, but when I'm in a cut like I am right now, I I default to like doing more of the slower bodybuilding type, just strict strength work at lower ends of strength um, so that I just don't feel like garbage. So when you're messing with energy balance, there's also a healthy dose of expectation management that should go along yeah. with it um, and allow you to continue to, because if, if you're in such a deficit that you can no longer burn energy by means of exercise, well, now we're just, now that's just pointless. Right. This is just straight silly. Um, but yes, you need to manage your expectations and be reasonable about it. And if a doctor has given you a silly ass number like that, without really any thought to it, then feel free to question that because that's BS, capital BS, yeah. especially if you do something like CrossFit. So next point, once you've managed your expectations, if you're in a caloric deficit, is considering the effect that different kinds of food put into your body. You are what you eat. My grandmother was most certainly not thinking about performance and crossfit yeah i was gonna say it It was not a thing and if she foresaw that then why the hell didn't you turn into a business that i could be ceo of (laughs) come on grandma come on um but quality of food plays a huge part in what you look like what your body does with it how you can perform yeah in whatever sort of varietal of exercise you choose to partake in and how you can perform in life and work. Uh, We all know that I have counted macros in the past and eaten absolute shit. (laughs) But it hit numbers, right? It did. And that can be a big problem with macro counting. If you figure out that this big pile of junk fits your numbers. Fits all those numbers perfectly. Well, then, yeah, you may start to see that scale number go down. But... If you were able to take a look internally, it may be body composition changes that actually are not favorable. Yeah. That could lend you to something, and this is extreme, but like sarcopenic obesity, where you don't weigh that much and you don't look that big, but you have very little muscle mass. So the fat mass that you do have actually puts you in like the obesity range of body fat percentage. So quality is kink. So do you notice a difference? Because you're a big fan of tracking. I am. Yep. I am not for me. And, you know, it's I don't see it as a long term thing. But for some people, it is like a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. Do you notice a difference between what you're putting into your body when you actually have to look at it in a food log versus not having to think about it once you swallowed it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think I do. I, I mean, I think there's, there's a reason that when people start, I don't know, working with someone like you often start with just like a food log, right? Cause mm-hmm. just awareness is such a big thing. Um, I do think that for me, it's like not just my self-awareness of what I'm putting in my body, but the fact that there's someone else reading that food log, right? I mean, that's also, um, for me who, I feel like I kind of, I know the macro game. I know what I should be doing, but accountability, we've talked about this before, is usually the thing that I actually am paying for um, in a way when I'm working with a coach. 
and it is like having other sets of eyes on that food log, I think impacts what, what I eat. That said, I also really just do love like broccoli and fish. And like, I mean, I eat that way even when I'm not tracking. Um, but what I think is interesting for this fueling conversation is that when I am in a deficit, my food quality tends to get better if I want to feel satisfied and full. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at my maintenance, um, I can, I like, you know, a good like bare bell protein bars or like some things that are sort of calorically dense, but not all that filling. Um, and when I'm in a cut, those things tend to give way to like, oh, for this meal, I'm going to eat a ton of broccoli because it's going to make me feel full, right? I can't have maybe as quite as much rice or, you know, I'm, I'm cutting out other, you know, small amounts of carbs here and there, but I still want to eat a lot of food because mm-hmm. after a big workout, you just want, like, I want to stuff my face. And so I'm like, well, broccoli is like a great way to fill a giant bowl. <laughs> um, so I actually feel like my food quality gets better if I'm a little bit more restricted, um, Because again, I've done this enough and I've done it where like I do have busy days where I'm like, oh, okay, I just got to have a bar. And then like I grab something at a store and then when I track it, I'm like, oh shit, I'm out of, I'm out of macros or something. And I haven't felt very full all day because I've just been snacking or getting little things that were convenient. Um, So yeah, so I've done it enough to know that as well, like now when I'm in a cut, I like extra focus on quality. Ah, nice. That's a good point. You know, if you are somebody who's in a cut, contemplating a cut, then real food with fiber in it and lots of good protein, says the woman who's having a protein shake for dinner. Ah! I don't do as I say, not as I do. Didn't have any time for the cooking this evening. I don't know. You've got asparagus over there, too. Asparagus. She's kind. Asparagus fries. I think it's breaded asparagus. But they're organic and gluten-free, so they must be healthy, right? Just they like must be healthy. Vegan donuts. That's always my favorite one. But oh it's vegan. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's still a donut. I saw, like, a food, one of those, like, terrible food documentaries that was basically just taking people around shopping. And they were going down the middle aisles of grocery stores showing people what was vegan. And they were like, Oreos. Oreos are vegan. Did you know that? And all the people are like, oh my goodness, I get to eat Oreos. And I'm like, (laughs) what? Like, A, who thought Oreos had like meat products or animal products in them? I'm surprised they don't have dairy in them. And it's just sugar paste. It's like there's no dairy in that quote unquote cream, but... uh, Cream fillings are almost always just sugar. But but either way, these people were all excited because this person was basically telling them like it's all being vegan. vegan is super healthy. And here's everything in the garbage aisles of the store that is also vegan. I mean, like pretty much any kind of diet, like, you know, people could say the carnivore diet is revolutionary. Right. We both know somebody who Ugh. was trying to plug the carnivore diet. Their farts must have been intense. Oh, my goodness. But and I mean, maybe if you no ate micronutrients at all, nothing like. <laughs> but like incredibly fresh, organic, locally grass fed meats and all the rest of it. Cool. I mean, yeah. throw in some vegetables. But maybe. I think your body still needs like a fruit and a veg. Yeah, every I mean, once like fiber, while, like... fiber feeds your gut microbiome. There's not yeah. a lot of that in meat. 
But you could easily go, okay, carnivore diet, it's a trend, it's a thing, let's go. And eat the most god-awful, right. like, antibiotic-ridden, hormone-injected, processed, meats, processed and... meats, and be like, I'm killing the game. This is, yeah. this is great. Or you could be like me counting macros, where you'd be like, oh, let's put a vegan hot dog on raisin bread, because that checks a box. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I love that that story will just live on forever as the well, the horror, wonderful example. The horror in your like, face when you're like, "What are you doing?" Well, you forgot a key element. You put you put green Tabasco on it too. Oh, it was a vegan hot dog on cinnamon raisin bread, and you put hot sauce on it. Sometimes I used to put that um, ghost pepper salsa from Trader Joe's on that combo too. But like on cinnamon raisin cinnamon raisin bread's like sweet-ish I mean when I was a kid I used to eat like a pregnant woman like I would eat (laughs) for breakfast like my dad would make curry on Friday nights and it was not that uncommon on like a Saturday morning for my breakfast to be leftover curry that I didn't heat up so just cold curry um chocolate cake and blue cheese wow just weird that's gross Yeah. yeah that's that's really gross well, my, my mom did crave the smell of petrol gas. So she'd make my dad, when she was pregnant <laughs> with me, she'd make my dad pull in at gas stations so she could take in a big old whiff of that lovely Interesting. petrol-y air. So it probably explains a lot. But <laughs> Man, all right. Well, yes. <laughs> but this is where, like, when I'm working with my clients, it's like, regardless of whether they're macro counters or want nothing to do with it, that one of the most important metrics is how do you feel? Yeah. And that I place above anything else. I mean, and literally, unless you're a weight class athlete and you're three days out and you got to make weight, then okay. Right. Only one thing's really important there. But, like, if you're just a fairly regular human who is not looking to compete in something, like, realistically, for most of us, yes, we might want to lose five pounds or ten pounds or gain a mus- bit of muscle or whatever, but feeling good yeah. is a pretty damn good goal. And checking in with, like, is what I'm putting in my body making me feel good? Like, actually good, not just, like, a 10-second sugar high after a big old box of chocolates or something. Then you're probably doing a good thing. But the quality of your your food, the ingredients that is in that food that you're eating play a massive part in everything from body composition to... Just performance in life. Performance yeah. as a human being navigating this world. And, you know, if you... I remember my mom, she used to work in orthopedic surgery. And she would always tell... And this is like a PSA. This is probably too, too much information for some people. <laughs> but when they, like, did a lot... They did a lot of, like, um, hip replacements, knee replacements, stuff like that. And they would always love it when somebody who had eaten really well, was healthy, who was fit, came in for a joint replacement surgery. Because when they like cut into them to Mm -hmm. to change out whichever body part, (laughs) um, there would be like minimal layer of body fat, good firm tissue. And it was an easy surgery to do. When they got people who had eaten like crap, never exercised, she would like, they would dread it every time because they would like cut into them to replace the body part and she was like shut your ears now if you don't want to hear this but she described the inside of that those people as just like sludge 
Yeah. She was like, sure was even like the body fat was just like a kind of gray color and like slimy. It didn't hold any kind of shape. And she was like, it was a kind of a nightmare in some cases. Cause you cut them open and then like, you got to try and stop. It's just kind of, Oh, I can only have a noise. But I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> word describes that noise. And I saw recently, um, I think it was like an MRI scan or some kind of scan. And they were comparing it was I think it was a cross section of a thigh. And they were comparing oh, yeah. two seven year olds, one who had been I think this person had been like a long time runner, long distance yeah. kind of runner and somebody who had just not really taken care of themselves. Yeah. And it showed the like muscle mass versus the adipose or fat tissue. And the difference was wild. Like in the person that was fit and healthy, most of that thigh at 70 years old was lean muscle mass with like, you know, little fat layer on the outside. We all need a little fat layer on the outside. The person who had not taken good care of themselves and had just fueled their body with absolute junk. It was amazing that they could stand. Yeah, you see those pictures and you're like, how is that tiny, tiny little bit of muscle even supporting you on that leg, right? That was the crazy thing. So it's not just like putting enough fuel into your body to meet your expectations or like having a well-managed kind of energy strategy. Let's put it that way. I like that. A well-managed energy strategy strategy. so that you can work towards your goal. Um, It's about putting quality stuff in. And yes, there are genetic freaks and outliers there are those people that can seemingly eat sugar after sugar but a guy who eats mcdonald's every day and is perfectly healthy and yeah (laughs) it does not necessarily mean that what you may see on the outside reflects what's happening on the inside some people are freaks and there's always context right so if you're michael phelps and you were training for the olympics then the only way to meet those kind of caloric demands is to put in a lot of sugar and some yeah, other you're, stuff you're because drinking sugars you're eating high fats probably just to get calories but that shouldn't be the only thing that goes in yeah. for most of us who sit at a desk all day we don't we should not be piling ourselves full of crap and the number of people and i'm sure we've said this before but the number of people who walk around on this earth and they're how they feel for like a normal quote unquote normal is dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like they walking around with headache, kind of a constant headache, always tired, uh, brain fog, big one, just mm-hmm. like not really sharp or thinking straight, like crashing and burning mid afternoon, unable mm-hmm. to really feel motivated to do anything, depressed, yeah. skin issues, like allergies which we immediately always go to like, oh, it's environmental. Right. Is it? <laughs> my, my big thing is heartburn, right? That was, I, I'll never forget when I finally started paying attention to what I ate. You know, this is probably 10-ish years ago now. And one of the first things I noticed was just, I never had heartburn anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I just lived with heartburn. I think a lot of people do, right? Acid reflux. There's you just take so some many, pills for that. There's so many pills out there for it, over the counter and prescription. And I think it's so accepted that like, oh, you just have acid in your <laughs> tummy. And so, right? There Dory, you agrees. Dory agrees. <laughs> Sometimes you have acid in your tummy and it just comes up and everyone does that. And I was like, nope, because when I cleaned up my diet, that went away and I never felt heartburn again. And so now when I do kind of like say I eat, 
usually it's with refined sugar or something. And I have like even this inkling of heartburn. I'm like, oh, right. Like what I eat really has an immediate effect. Um, shitty margaritas are actually what give me heartburn oh. instantaneously. Really bad bar headaches. lime, like the kind of sugary stuff they put in behind the bar. Um, but it's true. It's like people just accept that that's normal. It's not. And it's not. It's not. Like and, it's... and for me, like, I don't ever get heartburn unless I go out to eat and I order burger and fries. And, like, there's something probably about, like, a combination of the high fat and high salt content of, like, fries and a burger is brutal. So you had heartburn right after we got off Mount Whitney? Didn't you have burger and fries? Yeah. I oh, had heartburn. Bummer. I know. But I mean, like, our bodies were going through so much else. <laughs> there were many other things Heart, that were hurting. Heartburn was probably And we washed it down with hillbilly um, mm. mimosas, hillbilly which helped mimosa. to take the edge off. Yeah. But, and the trouble is, is like for so many people who've lived off all sorts of chemicals for so long and that, that you know, their, their normal setting is kind of suffering every day that yeah, like you or my, I might just be find completely unacceptable yeah. that the process of weaning off not just like weaning off of all these kind of chemicals which in itself will make you feel worse until yeah. you feel better yeah but um you know re-engineering your taste buds because if you've lived off hyperpalatable highly seasoned high fat deep fried foods and you try and eat white fish and broccoli it's going to be like Hugh! This yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> like there ain't going to be any sensory feedback from broccoli, <sighs> but it will come. You yes, can train you'll learn it. To love it. Sponsored by broccoli. That's <laughs> us. And I, and I remember distinctly when I ran a nutrition challenge at a, a previous gym, and we did clean eating program for the first thirty days, just to kind of build awareness around what people have been eating. And one of the things was like cutting out refined sugar. And one of the ladies who took part, who to look at from the outside, very slim, you know, you'd never think like she ate tons of sugar or whatever. Turns out that she'd had quite the cookie habit, (laughs) just happened to be kind of like a lean built person with a fast metabolism Um, and kids, which always means you're kind of cleaning up kids plates and finishing their snacks. The first three days of coming off of sugar she oh, was on the couch, like, horrible. so sick. Yeah. She said that she was literally probably half a day away from just pulling the plug and quitting because she was like, oh, I felt wow. so bad. And I was like, okay, hang in there. And if tomorrow you feel still that bad, fine. Yeah. And she, like, this, the switch flicked. And the next day she woke up and she was like, oh, my God, I feel amazing. Yeah. And it was literally like a kind of come down off of like heroin or something where you got to bust through that to feel good. But for most people and without support, like you say, you, you can stick to like really good healthy habits and healthy foods, knowing that somebody's kind of looking over your shoulder and as they're ready to be like, oh, hey, yeah. most people don't have that kind of support to be like, all right, this oh, is yeah. what we're going to do. This is how you navigate this and just trust, hang in there. Um, and without that, you know, if your new normal, which is kind of shitty, just suddenly tanked and got way worse, the prospect of trying to ride that out for oh yeah, however long it may take, that's not fun. One of my friends does the whole, I think the whole 30, right? Like that's like one of the things people sign on to and do, you can kind of do it anytime, but it's really popular in the month of January, let's say. <laughs> um, but I remember this past year she was posting about it on Instagram 
and one of the posts was something about like all you people like who started the whole 34 days ago like i see you the worst part's almost over and she was basically referring to that how like you know thousands of people or whatever everyone who's doing this in the month of january has to suffer through that like withdrawal Mm -hmm. of like you've just cut out all the stuff that your body is thought of as normal um but i thought that post was so interesting that like they were all commiserating like that was the community of support was like i see you we're all going through this mess together we just have to feel like crap for like three more days and then it'll be great (laughs) and that's where like i really wish the focus of you know do I buy into something that's like that drastic? No, because it's not like some. I've never heard of somebody go, "Oh, I'm going to do whole thirty. It turned into a lifetime. Turned into a lifetime." No, of those because it's yeah. like yeah. so severe. You got to make smaller changes. But for it's so important to remember to check in. If you're not checking, we're like, how do I feel? It is way more important to keep like a feeling log than almost anything else, because then you will recognize and start to see the changes and go like. Oh, yeah. And then when you reintroduce some stuff and all of a sudden you've got the heartburn or your Mm -hmm. headache shows up or you wake up in the morning feeling like you didn't sleep even when you slept or you're just sneezing all the time, whatever it is, then you can start to go, oh, yeah. And then you can decide what's more important, a quick fix or feeling really good. Yeah. And that's why I mean, like I love right the question of like the most important question a coach or anyone can ask you is like, how are you feeling? Because, like, it's all awareness. Like, I didn't know how to answer these questions about myself 10 years ago, five years ago. It's only because I've, like, paid attention and had people asking me to pay attention or forcing me to pay attention to even know, um, yeah, that those are the things that I'm going to feel when I have a shitty margarita versus... Um, well, 10 years ago really when I was... margaritas don't do it, by Feeling like <laughs> I was falling asleep at 2 p.m. Yeah. I'd fix it with a Red Bull and a chocolate muffin. Because I figured that that's what you just needed, some caffeine and some sugar, and off you go. And then, like, a couple of beers later on, and then the next day if I woke up feeling like shit, just have another beer, (laughs) make yourself feel better. Yeah, well, I mean, in high school, so I think when I was in high school, I don't think Red Bull existed yet. Did it? I don't know how long Red Bull's been around. But I'm sure there were disgusting drinks like that. For me, I was just, I just drank Diet Coke and ate Cheetos, but that was, like, the era of, like, Mountain Dew that had extra, extra, extra caffeine and sugar and all those things. And um, I got away with it as a teenager, but I don't think that would go well now. So, yeah, lots of things to think about there. But to round it out today, and you just gave me the perfect segue. um, My crappy high school diet was the perfect segue. Mountain Dew. Oh, I was like Cheetos? Cheetos Cheetos make your hands orange like carrots? (laughs) Well, probably. Um, So Mountain Dew. Okay, let's hear it. Um. You know, we talked about energy balance and expectations. We've talked about quality and you are what you eat. And the reason that this kind of came to mind is that a friend of ours sent me a reel that she found on Instagram the other day saying, is this true? And it was all about certain, it's not foods per se, but foods that contain certain chemicals that are allowed in the U.S. that are banned elsewhere. And as somebody who is not from the U.S., when I first moved out here and was grocery shopping and came across things like hormone-free and never any antibiotics and cheese food. Cheese food product. And other (laughs) things like that. that. And I was just like, what is this? 
Yeah. Why does something have to say hormone free or antibiotic free? What What are the ones that are not free of this stuff full of? So um, I, I probably won't go through all this is where I'm going to apologize for my poor pronunciation of chemicals. That is a good thing because if I could pronounce them, it would probably mean that I was very familiar with yeah, them yeah, it's probably being in my best. foods. But you mentioned Mountain Dew and Mountain Dew is actually number one on the list Ooh. of things that I found. And Mountain Dew has been promoting an extreme wild lifestyle since initial release. Um, but the beverage contains brominated vegetable oil, BVO. Who knew that a citrusy soda, soda would contain vegetable some oil? kind of vegetable oil? It's an additive that is used in several citrus sodas, but bromine is one, or bromine, I don't know how you might pronounce that, is one of its key ingredients. This particular chemical can irritate the skin and mucous membranes as well as cause headaches, memory loss, and impaired balance and coordination. It is banned in the European Union, India, and Japan. And think of how many people suck down... A liter or so of Mountain Dew on a daily basis. And not only that, if you do that, you probably lost your teeth. Balance and. Yes, balance and coordination. Isn't like do the do? They had like a whole campaign where like athletes would would drink it. (laughs) The next one that I found um, Honey Made made S'mores cereal. Um, It may not taste super different than other cereals outside of the US, but there are some hidden dangers within those colorful boxes. In this particular cereal, there is the preservative butylated hydroxytoluene, <laughs> however you say that, BHT for short. Okay, BHT, I think Because of BHT, I never knew what it stood for. This cereal is banned, or anything with BHT in, is banned in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and much of Europe due to its carcinogenic properties. Yay. Skittles. How many parents out there have fed their kids Skittles? Oh, I ate a lot of Skittles in high school, probably, along with those Cheetos. Skittles contain artificial colors yellow, five, and six, along with many other foods in the U.S., such as crackers and chips and drinks. They are banned in Norway and Sweden and in a lot of European Union countries because they are thought to cause allergic reactions in children and hyperactivity amongst other adverse effects so weird i also think it's weird like whatever happened to like yellow one two three and four were those worse (laughs) and so they've been banned already and so now we're on to yellow five and yellow six probably made you glow in the dark or something and i mean like obviously through time you know i was i saw this one thing the other day about uh some kind of tonic that was available i think it was like a the 1920s or maybe maybe probably earlier than that it was earlier than that that actually contained like radium like radioactive oh, properties yes. and this guy um was routinely drinking it like a well-known guy yeah. wealthy guy drank like three times the recommended daily dose because it was meant to you know give you all sorts of rejuvenative properties oh, goodness until such time as makes you glow well his body just started to fall apart like he ended yeah, up radiation a couple poisoning. of days before he actually passed he had his entire lower jaw removed because it had disintegrated and the pictures Yikes. are just awful so i mean this is not new but you'd think that now with like significantly we, yeah. more scientific knowledge that 
we might not be poisoning things, poisoning um, people slowly. Your, your nail polish is yellow right now. Is that what number yellow? I think is it's that? okay as I don't lick it. Okay, don't eat, don't eat the, your nail polish. Uh, if you drink milk on the regular, antibiotics are not the only thing you should be worried about. Milk in the U.S. also contains growth hormone, RBGH, which also goes by RBST, a synthetic man-made growth hormone that is used to increase milk production in dairy cows. Uh, it is banned in the European, Canada, and other potential countries and other countries due to its potential health effects, including being a carcinogenic. So unless your milk specifically states does not contain RBGH or is most definitely organic, now you want to do a switcheroo. You know, that's that's an interesting one because I've, I've definitely, I feel like I've had this conversation with family being from Canada and, and um, that milk is different up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never actually knew why or kind of like where that came from, but um, that kind of makes a lot of sense. I remember when my little brother was born, my stepmom, at some point, like as he was growing up, she made some comment about like how early like hair was growing on his legs or like you like, right? Like, like, like the way kids age and, and grow up and then go through puberty and stuff. And all of that is hormone based. And I remember her just like saying something about like, think it's the milk, like, or right. Like just making some comment. I was like, it probably is. It probably probably is along like Like, with the meat that contains the hormones and all those other things that like we're pumping ourselves so full of other animal hormones that aren't human hormones necessarily. And, and like I said earlier, you know, if you have one chicken breast that is pumped full of hormones or one bowl of cereal with radioactive stuff in it and, you know, a glass of milk that had a little help, you're going to be fine. Right. But it is the constant. If you grow up on this, uh, this, this one is a, is a good one. Um, it's about bread and actually I've never heard of any of these breads because I don't eat any of them, but Jimmy Dean delights turkey, sausage, egg, and cheese, honey, wheat, flatbread, and Pillsbury breadsticks contain, and I'm really going to mess this one up, azodicarbonamide, carbonamide, a chemical compound that's actually used to make yoga mats and sole shoes. It's also found in packaged baked goods and bread as a whitening agent and dough conditioner in bread and cereal flour. A dough conditioner. You will not find it in Europe or Australia. It has been linked to respiratory problems and other health issues. In Singapore, using it could get you fined $450,000 and put in jail for up to 15 Ooh. years. Well, Singapore is pretty tough on all kinds of crime. But um, that one, so that one is the only one so far that really I feel like I've heard of. And it's only because of like some crazy news story. It had to be at least 10 years ago now. But somebody like broke the story that Subway, like the sandwich chain, right? That Subway bread, why it's so pillowy and delicious is because it has yoga mat material. So that was like the big headline was Subway Subway bread made with same substance as yoga mats. So I remember that when that was like everyone was all a Twitter about, about Subway sandwiches. And it's true, that bread is like, weirdly soft <laughs> and it is. and very consistent at every subway chain around the world but now i'm wondering if if 
the subways that are now in like the European Union and stuff probably have to have different bread. Mm-hmm. If that's illegal. So if your food <laughs> like, feels like it would make a soft pillow. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, it definitely. Maybe it's not food. I'm maybe. not going to lie. I ate Subway sandwiches probably after hearing that story, but it's been many, many years now. So I'll keep that in mind. No more of that. Here's one that I have not heard of. Chlorinated chicken. What? So <laughs> chicken washed in chlorine before it ever arrives on your plate. Uh, the EU... Um, is totally against this process because it believes there should be a high level of safety from throughout the food chain from the farm to the fork. And oh, it's believed that right. if it's, you are chlorinating your chicken breast before you put them on sale, shit beforehand. <laughs> the animal has probably been mistreated and lived in right. an overcrowded environment and just like not taken care of yes. whatsoever. That does make sense that rinsing things in bleach because let's be honest chlorinated chicken that's bleach, bleach. we're talking about bleach bleaching chicken. our chicken <laughs> bleach chicken with um, some hormones on the side yeah mm. yeah that's true i i can see that as being necessary when you have massive massive factory farming and you can't keep anything clean if you're a fan of hungry jack mashed potatoes well guess what they have bha in it too um which we mentioned before this can also prop up in cereal and potato chips chewing gum and beer but bha is also used in rubber and wax food packaging it is as i said banned in european union japan australia and other countries i mean that's that's it's kind of amazing that there is crossover between producing rubber right like producing objects or things that we might use and the stuff that we put in our bodies. So, I mean, if you're a fan of chemicals and you accidentally buy an organic chicken breast, you can just lick your yoga mat and right. you'll be good there you to go. go. There's, you can get things throughout your house um, if this is your chosen fuel. There's more, there's more. Pillsbury seems to pop up a good amount in, uh, you know, bread products that contain all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm like gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look more closely at bread. Not that I eat a lot of the. But I did eat Pillsbury breadsticks and those little, you know, the, the little rolls, like the cinnamon rolls and the the bread rolls that you get in the little cans that pop. Those were delightful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I ate tons of those growing up. And in terms of like the meat, the European Commission's Scientific Committee on Veterinary Measures found that synthetic hormones used to promote growth in cattle, which includes xeranol, trenbolone acetate, and melangestrol acetate, can increase the risk of breast cancer and prostate cancer. Basically, if the meat comes from the U.S., the rest of the world wants nothing to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) That is not at all surprising. And that's Um, the end of the list that I found. There's there's a lot of stuff out there. And, you know, this is not in any way mean... Like it's meant to scare you and feel like you should probably go and get a full body workup because you once looked at a skittle. Unless we read something that you're literally ingesting five times a day and have been for many years. But (laughs) then go see a doctor, please. You know, if if you're hyper focused on eating a thousand calories a day and all you're seeing is that thousand calories a day and that thousand calories happens to be made up of just stuff from that list I read out. Yeah. Well, you're doing yourself multiple disservices. Yeah. So, you know, you are what you eat. If you eat a bunch of chemicals and stuff that you can't pronounce like that, like I don't deserve to eat any of that because I can't (laughs) actually say it. I got to say, I I was having this conversation with my little brother once um, and he was he was drinking. It wasn't like Mountain Dew, but it was something disgusting. Some 
energy crazy drink with all sorts of um i don't know they used to make them with like bull testicles or something mm. like all this kind of weird stuff and i was like i was getting so frustrated we were arguing about this and i was like okay fine if you can if you can pronounce the ingredient list like drink it whatever and i'll just shut up and leave you alone like i was so frustrated and he just looks at me and he picks up the can and he's like carbonated water because the first ingredient was carbonated water so i was like damn it you have foiled my argument, but literally nothing else after carbonated water. But, um, but yes, pronounce, being able to pronounce, not just being able to pronounce things because some of those are impossible to pronounce, but just knowing what they are. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't pronounce them, do you know what is listed on that package label? Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause now I know a lot more about the weird things you just read off. And you know, if you've got kids who've got a lot of life ahead of them, it's an investment to teach them about what real food is and what it looks like. And, you know, yes, especially in the U.S., there are big areas of the country where it is very difficult to get your hands on real fresh food. Yeah. And that is a problem. That is and it's not something problem. that I can solve. That's at a much higher level. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who could get, you know, at least say frozen vegetables, even if it's not fresh. Mm-hmm and you know decent meat and jump to the excuse of yeah but it's too expensive to eat healthily yeah it's not it can be if you choose to eat certain things but it can also be you know reasonably cost effective if you cook smart you you know prepare food uh in advance bigger quantities of it it is entirely possible to eat healthy on a budget Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, food justice, food insecurity, food deserts, all that's a whole other, other topic about, yes, how some people can't access that. But you're right. I mean, there's always, there's almost always better choices than fast food and like chemically full and processed things. Um, So takeaways from today. Being in a deficit is fine for a little while. As long as you have, I can't remember my phrase, <laughs> a carefully managed strategy, oh, right. the, the strategized fueling, fueling plan or something like whatever strategy. I said, wind it back to the beginning. It sounded smart. <laughs> it did sound really good. <laughs> yes. Adjust your movement but accordingly. So you think about like garbage. <laughs> moving more before you just take away a ridiculous amount of calories. Quality is key. Yeah. The best quality that you can afford. Frozen vegetables are not at all bad. Like, no. you can get frozen meats. Look for the leanest stuff. You don't have to get the finest of the finest to be able to do a good job on that front. But put total crap into your body all of the time. And unless you are one of the outliers that yeah. defy science, one day when you go get your hip replaced, it might not look so good for the surgeons. Build and maintain Hannah's quality tissue. Hannah's mom is not going to like what she finds inside your hip. And if you your normal every day kind of feels off, if it's been a long time since you remember feeling good and energized and clear-headed and all of that stuff, then rather than seek more medications to try and cure the problems, consider that perhaps... And it's not necessarily the case, but perhaps it starts with what you're putting into your body every single day. And that happens to be food. Yep. And 
the number of people in the U.S. alone that could be taken off most, if not all, of their medication by changes in the diet and eating the right amount at the right time is mind-blowing. But that doesn't make money for big farmers, so we'll call it there. (laughs) Heartburn medication. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening. We hope that there's been something informative. I'm now intrigued to see everybody who I know who listens to this looking at their food labels and trying to pronounce (laughs) stuff that's on there. And if you are able to get through an entire day where you can pronounce absolutely everything that you ate, gold star for you. Absolutely. Let us know in the comments. Time to get back to asparagus fries. Which probably contain things that I cannot read. (laughs) We'll check the label. (laughs) But that's okay. Uh, Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time.